Hello and welcome to Reactive's Beyond the Byline podcast. I am Evi Chiori and this week we are talking about Poland's veto on the proposal for an EU directive that would implement the internationally agreed 15% minimum effective taxation rate for large multinationals. What were the reactions and what are the next steps? We are also talking about the upcoming French presidential elections, what can we expect, who is leading the race and how the result of the elections could affect the rotating EU presidency. On Tuesday, 5th of April, EU finance ministers met in Luxembourg to vote on the EU directive to implement the global minimum corporate tax agreed last year. The idea of the uh, global minimum level taxation is one we've been uh, pushing for for five years. The 27 member states who are around this table supported the OECD agreement. Said at the beginning of the meeting, the French finance minister Bruno Le Maire who hoped that all the technical issues to implement the global agreement had been ironed out. Now, to find out more what happened during this meeting, I'm joined by Euractiv's Economy and Jobs editor, Janos Schaman, who went to Luxembourg to follow it. Hi, Janos. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. Thanks for inviting me. Now, before we jump into what actually happened, let's just start with the basics. Can you give us some background information uh, on what is the tax deal, what are the two pillars and what is expected to change with its uh, implementation? So the global tax deal we are talking about is um, a deal reached by more than 130 countries uh, in October last year to put a stop to tax competition or to aggressive tax competition between, uh, between different states uh, for, for corporate taxation. The, the tax deal consists of two pillars. The first pillar is um, the pillar on, on digital taxing uh, taxing rights. Uh, it's mostly aimed at large digital companies that are mostly based in the US uh, and that have a large part of their turnover they generate in other countries, for example, in Europe, but they don't really pay taxes in Europe. So uh, this pillar makes it that, so that... Um, a part of the profit will also be taxed uh, or attributed to European states. And the other pillar is a global minimum tax um, that should ensure that at least that all large multinational companies will be taxed at a level of at least 15%. So the, the 15% lower bound is just to, to put, put a backstop to tax competition. Between, between nations. How is it impacting corporations and organizations? So first, it's mostly impacting large co- uh, companies, uh, large corporations that did aggressive tra- uh, tax planning, uh, meaning they were, were looking for the lowest tax uh, havens to, to put most of their profits, to allocate most of their profits there to minimize their tax bill. And so this whole deal should make this uh, more and more difficult, if not impossible. Now, going back to Tuesday's voting, what was decided and was there any progress made? Member states, um, they, they voted on the, the second pillar, meaning the, the, the minimum tax. 
because all EU states have signed this tax deal in October, it made sense that the Commission would make a directive, propose a directive to implement this minimum tax altogether. And this directive has been discussed over the past months. And um, it was a key goal of the French presidency to get it passed uh, actually before the French presidential elections. In March, when there was the last meeting of EU finance ministers, uh, there were four countries that still had reservations um, about it because it was too fast for them or it was uh, difficult for them to, to administer this change. But now three of those four have, have lifted their concerns. They have been, a compromise has been found, but Poland still is blocking the whole thing. We maintain our position that both pillars should be considered as a package. Uh, we must sustain our goal of fully introducing the global two-pillar solution to address the tax challenges arising from the digitalization of the economy. We do not support separation of the two pillars within the European Union. Pillar 1 and Pillar 2 were invariably regarded as elements of a single reform of the international tax rules. Our perception was that the consensus on taxing digital economy was achieved at OECD level by combining the solution with work on the global minimum tax. Poland's dedication to introduce a fair and sustainable global system to combat tax avoidance and tax evasion remains unchanged. Announced during the meeting, the Polish State Secretary Magdalena Erzakowska blocking the agreement. Now, what's your take on this, Janusz? Why is Poland blocking the tax deal? So their official line is that they want a stronger link to the pillar one of the, the international tax deal. As I said, this is the, the one with the, that concerns mostly these digital, um, digital corporate giants. Uh, the problem is that this tax deal or pillar one of the tax deal still needs a international convention to uh, hash out the details. And the, the, Polish, um, the Polish government wants a legally binding link between the EU directive for the minimum tax and this international convention that is still to be signed. Uh, all the other countries think that this is impossible because you cannot link EU legislation to some international uh, convention that is, is not, has not been done yet. Uh, but the Polish government says uh, it is needed because uh, you cannot have the package, uh, just one part of the package and not be sure of the other one. Now, there might be another reason, uh, namely the Polish government is not receiving its funds for the Recovery and Resilience Fund. So this is the fund to help member states uh, cope with the pandemic. Uh, they should get uh, hundreds of millions of euros uh, to, to cope with the pandemic. But these funds have been frozen because of rule of law concerns in Poland. So because they want this money and they are not getting it due to rule of law, problems, they are now vetoing, blocking other legislations, uh, other legislation in the EU um, to, to, yeah, power play a little bit. Mm -hmm, just to keep things going. Exactly. 
Now, the reaction from the French finance minister was quite heated as well. I have to say that I do not understand the Polish position. I regret that after five years of work, when we dealt with all the technical problems, and we have 26 member states who support minimum taxation, and that this is progress in terms of tax justice, in terms of simplification of the fiscal system, which is considerable progress, which sets us ahead of other continents. Europe is ahead of both the justice and minimal tax aspects, and that you cannot accept it. You, you say that you want to fight ta tax optimization. This is the best way to do that. You say you want to ta uh, combat tax evasion. This is the best way to combat uh, tax evasion. You say you need a link between pillar one and pillar two. At the request of Poland, we added a statement, as Paolo Gentiloni said, establishing such a link. So what did you think of this reaction, Janusz? Quite a dramatic council debate as far as council debate goes. Uh, he quite frontally attacked the, the Polish minister in, in a public debate. Uh, so uh, saying that he did not understand the Polish president, uh, yeah, the Polish government's view and that uh, this did not make sense at all. Um, so it, it was more like a, a TV debate uh, rather than a, a diplomatic uh, exchange. What would be the next step for Bruno Le Maire? Bruno Le Maire said he would he would put this deal up um, up for debate in the next uh, Council of Ministers meeting, um, but he doesn't he didn't seem very hopeful because he said all the technical concerns had been lifted, um, and the only remaining were political ones. It was actually. How it's going to go forward is is really unclear because uh, Poland has the power to to veto um, everything. And you already mentioned how important is the tax deal for the French uh, presidency, specifically for this agreement to be achieved before the presidential elections. Why is that? It is a key policy priority of the French. Uh, they have been pushing for this uh, for this global tax deal uh, since. Since, uh, since quite some time, uh, Bruno Le Maire, the French finance minister, was pretty uh, vocal about this deal all the time. Um, and it is suspected, or like they have the French presidency of the EU Council lasts until June, but you never know, uh, Macron might not be re-elected anyway. Government function during a presidential election might be might be hampered uh, even if Macron is, is re-elected. So really, we don't know how much really can be done in the, in the remaining two, two months or two and a half months. Thank you, Janos, for joining me today. Thank you too. You're listening to Euractiv's Beyond the Byline podcast. Subscribe to our podcast newsletter on euractiv.com slash newsletters. And if you want to expand your knowledge on other fields, you can listen to our digital brief podcast and agri-food brief podcast. Now, moving to a different topic, still very French-related, all eyes are on France this week since the country is experiencing the most watched political race in decades. 
And this coming Sunday, on April 10th, the presidential elections are highly anticipated by everyone, not just in France, but internationally as well. To hear more on this, I'm joined by Davide Basso, who is covering the elections for Euractiv.com and Euractiv France. Davide, welcome. So why are the upcoming presidential elections so crucial? Uh, yes, yes, you're right. Everyone is looking at French presidential elections. And uh, I think this is because of the war in Ukraine more recently, uh, but also because of the French presidency of the EU. And uh, France has been a key diplomatic player or leader, uh, in addition of being a major, major European economic power. Uh, so French elections Uh, have also always been very closely followed abroad uh, in Europe or internationally. Uh, but this time seems, um, according uh, to me, uh, that there is a particular importance between the geopolitical situation, the ecological and digital transition, let's say. Who is leading the race? Who is the big surprise? And how are the candidates perceived by the public? Since uh, uh, now months and maybe years, uh, the person who is leading is the outgoing president, Emmanuel Macron, uh, even if he has actually been declining in the last few weeks. Uh, the biggest surprise, uh, I'd say, is undoubtedly uh, Eric Zemmour, the far uh, right candidate, uh, who kind of dynamized the, the nationalist sovereignist camp um, and at the same time radicalized the debate, uh, particularly about immigration issues. And now you're referring to the far right gaining some ground. What's the message here? Uh, how can we decode this? Yes, the, the first thing is, the, is that the far right uh, now has two camps. One is like a liberal and identitarian one. Uh, the, the one of Henri Zemmour, and the second one uh, with Marine Le Pen, it's more social and populist, but not, uh, but not really identitarian, even if it's still a, a, a far-right uh, program. And this had the effect uh, to, to, to mobilize, to mobilize um, a lot of um, voters who didn't vote for Marine Le Pen before and now vote for Eric Zemmour. And this makes the far-right camp uh, the most important and the most influent uh, political family, if I say, if I may say it like this, uh, the, the most powerful in the, in the country, above 30%. And how worrying do you think this is for France and for the EU as well? Historically, it's always worrying when the far right is gaining uh, so much, uh, so much space in the public debate. Uh, I, I think it's much more a problem of Uh, precisely the public, the European public debate, uh, rather than uh, the fact that they are actually going to 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 win the election. Because even if they do, uh, with the legislative elections in June, uh, I'm not sure. I'm I'm actually pretty sure that they won't uh, have a majority. So they they won't be able to really um, to really make happen their program. But On the, on the public debate, uh, this has, of course, a huge influence. What would it mean if Macron remains the president? And what would it mean if Le Pen or Eric Simon wins the race? Uh, will the agenda of the EU presidency change? Well, immediately about the, the FPU, um, 
if uh, nothing will really change because if Macron is re-elected, he will just continue what he started to do. Uh, and if uh, one of the two others uh, or, or any other candidate wins, uh, there, there will be not so much time to change what was actually uh, being started by Macron. Uh, so it will be more something on a long term, I think. Uh, and uh, yes, if if the if the far right camp or maybe even uh, the radical left with uh, Jean-Luc Mélenchon wins, uh, there will be something uh, more about the progressive integration uh, of European Union will be in a way stopped or weakened uh, because of your skeptical candidates can potentially win. So if they do, there, there will be, yes, the, this all, all the work that has been done in the in the last months and the last week about uh, the, the um, about the European defense and so on will be probably stopped. And what do the polls say? The polls show that Emmanuel Macron is leading uh, the 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 election and the the intentions uh, of vote, uh, and also Marine Le Pen is doing, and she also is uh, reinforcing her electorate, and she's gaining more and more points with the time going, and um, so they would. Uh, I think they sh they should qualify for the second round as in 2017. Uh, but there is also an issue uh, that we, we can see in the polls is that uh, really a lot of people is still uncertain about what they will um, what they will vote. So I, I think it's uh, about uh, one voter out of three has not yet decided who is going to vote and the election is in three or four days. Uh, and the other point is, of course, the abstention, uh, which should be uh, massive uh, for a presidential election in France, uh, around 20 or 25%. So this can be a game changer, uh, either in the case of this abstention uh, is confirmed, or if uh, actually there is a lot of people going to vote, uh, so the, the, all the polls uh, will be actually without effect because they were based on uh, other abstention pro pro projections. If there is a second round of elections, how would it work? The system is pretty simple in that uh, now the, you have 12 candidates uh, in the race. Uh, they all uh, they will all be present uh, for the election on uh, on uh, this Sunday, uh, and then the two of the, of them that have the more votes uh, will. Uh, compete for the second round uh, two weeks after that, so the 24th of April. Um, and then it's just, yes, basically uh, the one who has more votes wins. Finally, Davide, what are the crucial issues on which the French citizens are expecting solutions? What is that they care about? The most important things, and it's also uh, quite related to the to the geopolitical situation and so on. Uh, it's the purchasing power. This is largely dominating the concerns of French people. Uh, then, just behind, uh, in in some yes, opinion studies, surveys that have been done, uh, you have the environment and the health system that are mentioned as important issues for 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 the for the voters uh, and of course also the immigration the security uh, are, are mentioned even 
if it's if they are less important uh, than what uh, some candidates uh, would uh, would make us believe, if you may say. Uh, and uh, and also there is something very very interesting. It's that the unemployment, uh, which was a major concern during the last elections, um, is no longer at the top of the list of French people's concern. And it's even I, I I can't really remember, but it's above the tenth place uh, of. Uh, of people's concerns. So this is really interesting. Davide, it was a pleasure. Thank you very much, Levi. Our time is up for this week. I am Evicchiori and this was your Active's Beyond the Byline podcast. We will be back on your feed next week. Until then, subscribe to our podcast newsletter and visit youractive.com for the latest news. And don't forget to listen to this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Thank you very much for listening.